0: Welcome to the Abbott Loop Community Church Podcast. Enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. God's got some good things in store for us. It's a good promise, a good promise out there for each and every one of us. And um, this, this series has been on my heart for the whole year. And when we were prepping for the year, this is something that I felt God really wanted us to do. And, and the whole focus here is to just make God big. Just make him big and bigger and bigger and bigger. The bigger he gets in your eyes and my eyes, things start to change for us. And when God gets bigger, and really we start to see him for the size he really is, you know what I'm saying? Because he already is big. He's the beginning and the end. The alpha, the omega. When we start to see him that way, stuff begins to shift. I start to see myself more accurately. I begin to see you more accurately. Because I don't see myself sometimes God isn't big enough, I think I'm a little bigger than I really am. I think my little spot and my contribution in the world is like maybe a little bigger than it really should be. Sweet. And then, you know, I don't know about you, but um, North Korea kind of freaks me out a little bit. I mean, some of y'all were World War II, like Pastor Dick. I'm pretty sure Hitler freaked you out a little bit, right, Pastor Dick? Okay. There are some things things in our world that can make us freak out a little bit. And we we think, oh my goodness, the world is unstable. What is going to happen? That's when we start to see God too small. And that's really what I want um, this series to do. To do for us, and that's my hope and my prayer and what I, what I believe God wants, is that we begin to see him for who he is, and he creates a stability in us because we see his sovereignty. When we get to be really small and, and we see that we're on this ginormous, you know, humongous aircraft carrier that's Jesus, and we're an ant on an aircraft carrier that's Jesus, it, the waves, the everything, the wind. I mean, you're like, oh my goodness, this thing is stable. That's, that is what Christ is. That's what what He's doing in and through, uh, uh, you know, throughout world history. And that's one of the things you want to look back is into the Old Testament. There are things in the Old Testament that foreshadowed the coming of Christ. And they call them types of Christ. And as you look in, you begin to see the ridiculousness of God's planning and detail in our lives and how powerful and sovereign He really is. He's just, He has got this thing. He has got it. And then you begin to see how important, at the exact same time, you are. See, you are valuable and not insignificant. You are significant. And you're not everything. Everything isn't God amazing it's like man you are so valuable and so important and you know don't think you're too important but you're so valuable and important to me the macrocosm of everything he did was for a purpose and that purpose is fill in the blank your name your name and then it's everybody gets to look oh it's my name yeah your name Your name written in the Lamb's book of life if you choose Jesus. But he did all of it for you. That's the purpose. But he's holding the whole thing just in his hand like it's nothing. So we're going to look in and we're just going to see over the next couple weeks as we lead up to Christmas. Just the promise. We're going to look at all of the, well not all. We're going to look at some of the ways that God has just been rigging this system from the beginning and causing it to work out for your benefit, for mine. And he wins. This, this is rigged. And he has done it. It is won. And we get to be a part of it. Jeremiah 32:17. 17. sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power an outstretched arm, nothing is too hard for you. And it goes on in verse 27, and God says this about himself. It says, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? The answer is no. Romans 11:33. Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. How impossible, it's not possible for you and I to understand the beginning and the end, the alpha, the omega, how God himself could just speak the world into existence and the power of that word sustains life through to eternity. How in the heck? You and I cannot understand the the detail that God has put into the planning of each and every one of our lives woven throughout the fabric of history to accomplish his plans. You and I can't get that. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory and all glory to him forever. Amen. i to read that one more time. For everything comes from him, from God, and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. We're talking about God's sovereignty. We're talking about his power. His power that never ends. It doesn't get weak. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't get bored. He doesn't get disinterested. He is on point all the time. And it's sustained. And it is happening. And it is going to be finished, completed. God doesn't get, the world doesn't get out of control for God. He isn't like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do with this North Korea thing? Oh, I got to figure something out. He's not thinking like that. He's like, he's like, oh, terrorism's on the rise. Oh, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> not, he's not doing that. Right? It's so like, I mean, think about all the scandal coming out in Washington and in our media. It's ridiculous. It's just purging happenings so like, oh, I didn't know that was going on. Oh, what is the government of the U.S. going to do?" He's like, "The government of the U.S <laughs> <laughs> We're like greatest nation in history. We're so amazing." And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> He's like, that little tiny little thing. He's like, I'm just sustaining that little ant in the palm of my aircraft carrier. And we, now, for us, you look out, yeah, in world history, probably the most amazing nation ever. But in, from God's perspective, eh, not quite the same. He raises up every king and puts them down. He raises up every nation and puts it down. We're on assignment, and we need to trust in our God. And, you know, I love Proverbs 3.5. It says, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. See, when you start to lean into who he is, it changes how we behave, and our anxiety levels go up, our humility uh, levels go up. Anxiety levels go down. Humility levels go up. What am I saying? Just saying stuff right now, No. humility starts to expand because God is God and I'm not. Trust goes up. but My my peace levels go up and then my anxiety and my fear, my worry goes down. This is a good life. And it isn't about all those circumstances and things. If I can see God right, and this is why the Bible is such a treasure to us, it's because we look into the written word of God, which we believe is, the inspired word by the Holy Spirit for us today to be able to look in and see all of what God has done and be able to show us how he's still at work today in our lives and he's got this thing. So let's look in at the life of Abraham and Isaac. We see in Genesis 21, Abraham gets this great promise fulfilled. The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the time that God said it would. That's cool. At just the time that God said it would. And Abraham named his son Isaac. Eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. Abraham was just a simple hundred years old when Isaac was born. Cakewalk. Give me 20 kids at 100. I can take it. Yeah, just take me to heaven instead. Chapter 22, verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to Abraham, Abe, here I am, Abraham replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mount, I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey, and he took with him his two sons, servants, and his son, Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up, and he saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I go, and the boy, the boy and I go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on Isaac. He and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Yes, my son. Abraham replied, The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? I'm getting nervous. Verse 8, Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place that God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, he said, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Amen. Come on, let's pray. Father, we're asking you that, God, you would shift the way we see you, God. We want to see you in all of the magnificence you really are and how huge you really are, God. Will you just change our little minds, to be able to somehow take in how incredible you are and how vast you are and how you never end. God, will you just shift us? And God, will you just give peace? I pray that the reward of peace will come into our hearts as we see you rightly in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Cool story. Scary, kind of, in some ways. But this is one of the most clear and, uh, just just accurate depictions of who Christ is for us and what God was going to do for us. And the Bible talks about that, that the Old Testament was really designed foreshadowing things that were to come. And this is a perfect shadow of what Jesus came to do for you and I. And to see all of the little details of how God planned it out is is really quite amazing. So, when we look back into verse two, where Abraham is told by God, he says, "Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and I want you to go sacrifice him as a burnt offering." Can you imagine? Can you imagine? You know, there are sometimes you kind of wish God would take your son. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> It's too easy when they're just sitting in the front row. It's too easy. <laughs> but can you imagine if God says, I mean, I want you to take your kid, and I, I, I need you to go sacrifice him. Uh, no. I don't know. But Abraham, he's like, this guy's living on a different Different space. You know, he had met with God, and God promised him something. And he trusted God. And he, had saw, he saw God fulfill his promises more than one time, and he just did what he knew God said he would, you know, told him to do. And so when God tells told him to do something, he's just like, okay, this is going to work out somehow. And so he takes his son, and God kind of like presses into this space. He says, take your son, your only son. He emphasizes it. He only gave him one son for a reason, right? Because he had a plan. He had a purpose. He's rigged the system. He has set it up and he wanted it all to work out just the way he did to prove his, his sovereignty, his power. But he wanted to prove the Messiah. He wanted to prove that when Jesus came, he was God and it was impossible for anyone else to ever do what he did. So he says, take your son, the one whom you love. And he goes, go to the Mount Moriah. This is an amazing thing. This Moriah in Chronicles, uh, actually Second Chronicles 3, one. this is the place where Solomon was told to build his temple. And it's the exact place where Jesus was when he gave up his life on the cross. How ridiculous is this? He says, I want you to go to this space. I'm going to show you exactly where it is in Moriah. And this is where the temple was, where the presence of God came to visit with the people. And then it's exactly where Jesus took his cross and went to go give his life on Calvary. Same place. Not by accident, folks. (laughs) By design. And on this exact same mountain, the exact same foreshadowing happens of what Christ was going to do for us. And he asks him to give up his son as a burnt offering. That sounds terrible. And he said, you know, but the burnt offering in the Levitical law was really unique because it was about what they call the propitiation of sin and the consecration of worship for that believer, okay? Okay. So the propitiation of sin is this kind of big word that really means we're going to take the sin that belongs to me and we're going to transfer it to something else. It's actually going to go into the animal that we are now sacrificing. And God's wrath is turned from the individual to the animal, okay? And so he asks to give Isaac in this exact same way. It's like, I want you to take your son, and I want you to offer him as a burnt offering. Not just anything else, but a burnt offering. And I want want to use Isaac, and he's going to use this example to see that Jesus now would become the propitiation for our sin, where the wrath would be turned away from us onto him, and that we would be set aside as a nation. See, Abraham was set aside when he did this, as a consecrated worshiper of God. And Abraham represents all the children of God. That's all of us. And so in this, we would represent the the consecration being set aside as worshipers for God. And not just any kind of offering, but an offering of fire. An offering of fire. So when in Christ, we find ourselves not only being, he takes on all the weight of our sin, he becomes sin for us, We also get consecrated, set aside as worshipers for God when we choose him. And then we get lit on fire, burned up, totally consumed. See, this offering got totally consumed and burned up. So there's no longer any of it. It was all given up as an offering. It's the same kind of lifestyle that we are given into when we receive Christ. He says, you know what? I'm going to give you something when you choose me. I'm going to give you fire. And it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And guess what? It's going to burn up everything inside of you. So your whole life is like my whole life is, a burnt offering to the Lord. Ephesians 5 says that he gave up his life, Jesus, as a burnt offering or a sacrifice to God. That was a sweet-smelling aroma. You do the same. Come on. It's not by accident. God's got this thing in his hand. He's got you in his hand. He's ready to move you, man. He has specific details. He wants to move you in your life so that when you and I go to heaven and we turn around and we have offered our life as full sacrifices, not just bumped around in our life, but when you and I offer our life as a burnt offering, a full sacrifice, okay, of consecrated worship to him, allowing him to lead us we are going to get this cool opportunity to look back in heaven and see how he wove it all together in this ridiculous way to just make it all happen so everywhere when you're when you're walking in obedience and in faith with Christ you're giving him the opportunity to weave you into his tapestry of sovereignty just say that's rad that's rad even if you don't like to say rad, you should start because it's cool. Look at this. So Genesis 22:3, 3, early the next morning, it's even more amazing. Abraham gets up and he loads his donkey and he took with him his two servants and his son Isaac at, and they had cut enough wood for the burnt offering. He set out to the place that God had told him about. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Okay, so this whole thing happens on the third day, the third day after God told him, "Your son is dead." Hebrews eleven seventeen says, "By faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son." Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so, in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. And in Abraham's mind, in that day when, when, when God told him, your son, you want you to sacrifice him, his son was dead for those three days. Does that make you think of anybody else? I don't know about you, but it makes me think of the fact that Jesus was dead for three days. And when he came back, the sacrifice was fully paid, and he was what? Raised from the dead. Just like Isaac. Brought back from the dead. Oh, man. God's ridiculous. He doesn't miss out on details. He's got it all planned. He's got your life planned. He's got this thing in his hand. He sent his son Jesus who died on the cross for us. Three days he was dead and on the third day he was raised to pay the price for our sin. In verse 6, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. He himself carried the fire and the knife as the two of them went on together. So Isaac, who is like Jesus in this story, carries his own wood for the fire. And he carries it up the same mountain that Jesus carried his cross to be crucified. That happened to be wood, by the way. <laughs> what? Isaac carrying his own sacrifice tool of sacrifice. Jesus carrying his own tool of sacrifice. And I want you to see this willingly, willingly. He's asking his dad. He's like going, hey, let me see. We got the fire. We got the knife. Got the wood. Where's the sacrifice? We're getting closer and closer. We're going. he's like, wait a second. I think I'm the (laughs) sacrifice. And we don't see him struggle. He goes willingly. Why? By faith, by trust. Who do we see in the Garden of Gethsemane pressing in and saying, God, if it's possible, could we just pass this by? Kind of sounds like Isaac. Hey, Dad, could there be a lamb besides me? I mean, are we picking one up at the Walmart? Are we getting one, you know, at the Tasty Freeze? I mean, do they sell lamb at Tasty Freeze? I'm not sure. Had a lamb burger there once? No. Are we getting this thing at the farmer's market, huh? There we go. No, son. Jesus sitting there in the garden going, God, Father, I don't know. This is getting heavy. And then God just, just comforts him. The Father comforts him, and he presses in. And he goes to make that same sacrifice that Isaac was willingly to, willing to make. Kind of amazing. Jesus, our lamb, would carry his own cross for us. That just boggles my mind. That Jesus would carry his own cross just for us. If that isn't a picture of love, I don't know what is. Because that's the other thing in this. is not just how big God is. Because he's so big and he has all this woven and he has it all figured out. But he has it done in a heart of love for you. Because your your world is like, it's always like, it's just crashing in around us, isn't it? I mean, it's just like the second we think we have something kind of, yeah, it's getting going and whatever, and then it's like somebody passes away or something tragic happens over here, we're struggling over there, and then the car breaks down, and now financially this is happening. What is going on? Can't we just keep it all together? Chaos seems to be swirling, but God he has this gigantic heart of love for you in the midst of all of that chaos and he wants you to lean in and trust him and just get how much he really loves you and that all of this is just about his love for you. And you being with him through all of this suffering and pain and then we get into eternity we get a look back and go, "Man, didn't wasn't that terrible?" I don't ever want to go back. And I've said it before, but that's what Adam and Eve were missing in the garden. They didn't have the experience of separation and suffering and pain. And you and I get that gift to take into eternity when we have been rescued. We've been rescued from it. And we think, and we get to see Jesus in heaven. And we get to, like, talk to Him. we go, you literally carried your cross to the mountain for me. That's love. That's real love. And he wanted everyone to know that there it was not by mistake, it was by design, and that's why this story is in the Bible. And that is why God asked Abraham to do this. And he did it as the father of the nations. Come on, represents all of us. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Isaac spoke up and said, Father, yes, my son. He said, the fire and wood are here. God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. That's what Abraham says. God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. His faith. It was so amazing. Abraham trusted and he believed. He just had an unwavering mixture of faith and trust and love and understanding of who God really was. Just God was big to Abraham. I want to have that same kind of Sight, I want to see him that way. Verse 9, they reached the place that God had told them about and Abraham had built an altar there and arranged the wood on it And He bound his son Isaac and he laid him on the altar on top of the wood and then he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. The angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. I know that you fear God because you have not withheld your son, your only son. Just think about, you know, Isaac was really old enough to, to just run away. He's probably faster than his 100 year old dad. You know? Good luck, Dad. <laughs> With your little offering. <laughs> but he allowed himself to be bound and he trusted his dad all the way up until his dad's pulling the knife and ready, ready to make the sacrifice. Like, God waited till the last moment. It's like because you were willing to give your son, your only son, so mm. now I'm going to bless you now I'm going to bless you. See, God was never going to allow Abraham to sacrifice his son because he wanted to show us something, that he doesn't want your sacrifice. He did it on purpose because he wants you to know he doesn't want your sacrifice. He wants your heart. He wants your faith. He wants your connection. He wants the relationship. He was always going to do this supplementing. Because what happens right after this is he finds the ram just radically appears. Where the heck did that come from? You don't just not hear that. Are they that quiet? Is it a ninja ram? I, I don't understand. It just—it's in caught and his horns like I'm stuck. It's, God just makes this thing come out of nowhere. Just like Jesus, just at the right time, God sent his son for you and I. At just the right time, when they were like, they, they had no plan. When we were his enemies, there was no other way out. The law had like been going and, and everybody's like, this is terrible and hard and everybody's suffering. And it's like, no one can do it. And we're like, this plan isn't going to work. What are we going to do? Messiah, God, when are you coming? And then out of nowhere, that ram, that lamb, the supplemental lamb of God, replaced for us, put into our place. Isaac gets the get out of altar free card. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Yikes. But see, God knew. God, that was never going to happen. What was going to happen was he was going to be replaced. God was going to replace him with himself. And that ram represents truly Jesus. That Jesus God came to die for you and I and to replace. So you don't have to make the sacrifice. He gets to make it. And in Hebrews, it says that he made it one time for all. Just one time for all. And this depiction, uh, uh, they call it a type of Christ, right? This thing that happened, mathematically, for this thing to happen again and for it to be executed in the exact same location, mathematically impossible. Just this one for a person to fulfill all of this stuff. When you add upon all of the other prophetic things that were prophesied about who the Messiah would be and what they could do what he would do when you add those things up mathematically impossible for a human being to try with their entire life to get all those details right cannot be done only God but only God see all of this was to prove and to show that he's God and when Jesus came to make the sacrifice for us we would not be confused we would not have doubt that it's truly Him, He's truly God, and He really did rescue us at just the right time. John 3:16, one of the most famous and uh, probably over-quoted scriptures. Could you overquote it? No, I, what I really mean by that is that it gets diminished, I think, because we say it so much, then we don't really meditate on the power of this passage, and why it's so popular is because it's so powerful. But we just want to take some, create some space, just go, wait, Lord, hold on. You did this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He became the lamb, the supplemental lamb, to come in to rescue you, to take your place. That whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son in the world to condemn the world or to get you to measure up or get you to get your sacrifice done. No, He came so that He could save the world through Him. His plan from the beginning when He started the garden wasn't, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? All oh, these people, they sinned. Shouldn't have put the tree there. What was I thinking? It's like right there in front of them could have put like some barbed wire or something around it or thorn bushes no he sticks it right this was part of his plan he wanted you he wanted you but he wants your heart he doesn't want your sacrifice he wants your heart he doesn't want your i gotta get it all perfect and measure up and be perfect and get it all right he wants your heart See, God so loved the world that He set all this up, He made it all, He orchestrated it all perfectly, and sometimes we get confused going, how could a loving God create all of this chaos? God so loved the world that He would embrace you. You are chaos! He didn't create the chaos, you did! loved you so much, He was willing to endure the chaos so He could have you. And He knew to make all this work, you and I, to get to be in eternity, we needed something. We had to to have a free will choice to choose to love and fully understand what Christ has done for us and the love relationship that He has that He would carry His own cross up to Calvary to die for you and I for us to get that we need the pain and the suffering and the loss of this life to be able to understand what love really is in the measure that it is quantified in the concept or just the, the, the fullness of Him carrying His cross to the top to die for you and I. Come on, the fullness of what all of that means, we're gonna get it with all the pain and suffering and loss we have here. When we walk into eternity, you and I are gonna get what that meant for him to walk up that mountain and die for us. We're gonna get it. We're gonna get it. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at abbotloop.org and like us on Facebook. Services in Anchorage, Alaska are at 9 and 11 a.m. We hope to see you soon.